0: We've been made new in Christ, therefore we will live differently from the world around us. Our identity is no longer found in this life, but it is found in God. This is one of the certainties of the Christian life. I'm Noah Hooper, and this is the Taught by Grace Podcast. We have reached the final episode in our study through the book of 1 John. And this week we're going to be looking at part two in our study on the certainties of the Christian life in 1 John 5 verses 13 through 21. And as I begin this episode, I want to remind you of the five certainties in the Christian life that are found in this passage. We saw two of these in the last episode. We saw that we can know that we are saved in verse 13. Then we saw that God answers prayer that is made in His will in verses 14 through 17. And this week we will see that we know the believer has received a new nature, thus to live differently in verse 18. Then we'll see that we are to live distinctly from the world in verse 19. And finally, we know that Christ has come so that we can know that we can know God and that we are in God in verse 20. First of all, we see the certainty about the new birth. In verse 18, John reemphasizes this truth. Those who have been born again cannot live in sin because of their new nature. He says, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. We've already seen this truth emphasized in the letter. I remind you of what is said in 1 John 3, verses 6-9. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So what then does it mean to be born of God? To be born of God is to be regenerated. We were dead in sin, but now we are alive unto God through Jesus Christ. We were alienated from God, but now we've been brought near to God. And how is this true? It is because of the new birth. And how did we receive this new birth? It would be by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you received a new nature. The old nature who you were by the first birth was made to sin. But this new nature, who you are made by the second birth, by the new birth, through faith in Christ, is made to live righteously. This is the internal change that occurs at salvation. You were made a new creature, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 points out, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Simply because of the new birth, you aren't who you were before you met Jesus. You have been regenerated. Therefore, you cannot and will not live as you once did. Because you are in Christ, you are no longer who you once were. This is what John is emphasizing in this verse. The old lifestyle is contrary to who you are in Christ today. You aren't who you once were. He says that we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. This phrase does not mean that once you are saved, you will no longer live and no longer sin. Rather, it means that the Christian should not and cannot remain in sin. Why? Because you aren't who you once were. What does the believer do instead? Notice the last part of the verse. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. That means he guards his life against the attacks of the enemy, so that the enemy Satan cannot grab hold of him to keep is to guard it is literally speaking of setting up a fortress that enemies cannot penetrate can you see the importance of keeping yourself from sin the believer doesn't merely seek to not sin but he does anything that he can to put up walls to set up a fortress so that the enemy cannot sneak in and bring him into sin The Christian sets up walls in his life so that Satan cannot climb, break, or sneak in. He does everything he can to guard his life against sin. So I want to ask you this question, is sin that dangerous to you? Sin should not be something that we merely try to avoid, but it should be something that we have set up walls in our life so that we do not even have the opportunity to it. I know that, and the question then is this, will we sin? And the answer is yes. As John, 1 John 2 verse 1 points out, we have an advocate for when we do sin. However, we have a responsibility to keep ourselves from sin by doing everything we can to make it hard to sin. You see, you probably and I, we will sin, but we do not have to live in sin. Why? Because we are born of God. My friend, I want to remind you that sin is not a puppy to be played with, but it is a snake whose head must be cut off. The believer should make it as hard as possible for himself to sin. And this is what the new birth does. It gives us this desire to keep ourselves from sin. Because this is true, so is the next verse. John reminds these believers that they know that the one who no longer lives in sin but keeps himself pure has been born into the family of God. You will not live this way unless you've been made new by God. In verse 19 he says, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. This new way of living is what distinguishes us from the world around us. And why is that? The world only knows wickedness, but the believer cannot remain in wickedness. Do you see the radical impact of the new birth on your life? If you have been born again, you will live differently. You have received a new nature. Therefore, you will be different from those who have not. And a reminder must be made here concerning the world. When he says the whole world lieth in wickedness, this is not referring to the world of creation. It is not referring just to the it is not referring to the people but it is referring to the system of the world. It is an order that ignores the truth of God and lives contrary to the holy nature of God. The world is that which is antithetical to the nature and truth of God. It is contrary to his holiness. It is contrary to his love. The world is everything that is in opposition to who God is. This is why we are commanded to not love the world. The believer once walked according to the course of this world, but no longer. You've been saved by grace, regenerated by the Spirit, justified by faith, made alive in Christ. This is the crux of verse 19. We know that we belong to God because of this difference. We know that we belong to God because we've been made new. We have received a new nature, therefore we are now different from the world around us because of our relationship to sin. We no longer live in sin, but we must do everything we can to guard ourselves against sin by the power and grace of God. We live differently now, not primarily to be distinguished from the world, but because we are identified with god that is the heart of being different it is not so that we can say i am not like the world but it is so that we know that we are identified with god Our purpose in this life is not to be different from the world primarily. We will be different but our purpose is to be identified with who God truly is. With His holiness. With His love. With His grace. You are a part of His holy priesthood. Of His chosen nation. Of His peculiar people. You are a part of the family of God and you must be identified with Him. It is not about being just different from the world because when that is our purpose when that is our focus we can be different real easily but when our focus is on being identified with him our standard goes so much higher because his holiness is greater his love is greater his righteousness is greater my friend we are to be the peculiar people of god so that we know we are of god He is our identity. He says, and we know that we are of God. How? Because we've received the new nature and we live differently now. We have been born again, therefore we no longer live in sin and are different from the world. And how is this possible? It is because of the eternal life we have in Jesus Christ. We see this in verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true and we are in Him that is true even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. This verse is a succinct declaration of what eternal life truly is. Life in Christ is not merely a get-out-of-hell-free card. It is not merely entrance into heaven. Rather, eternal life is knowing God. This is what Jesus declared in His high priestly intercession Before the cross in John 17, 3. And this is life eternal. And this is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Eternal life is knowing God. And we've missed it, haven't we? We have perverted what eternal life really is. It is knowing God. That is why Jesus came. He came to bring eternal life. And this eternal life is to know God. Eternal life is found in the glorious revelation that we, who were the enemies of God, have been made the sons and daughters of God. We were in utter rebellion to God, and Christ has reconciled us to the Father by the blood of His cross, so that now we have peace with God. The creator and sustainer of the universe is now our Father. He is now our God. This is eternal life. This is possible because the Son of God has come, as the beginning of the verse proclaims. The truth of Christ's redemptive work is wrapped up in that single phrase. To say the Son of God has come is to imply the truth of everything His salvific work meant. He came to save us, and in coming to save us, He gave us an understanding that is twofold. What is this? He gave us an understanding about God, that we may know Him that is true. And I want you to notice the truth in this. This is the only time that John uses the word gnosko for know in this passage, which refers to personal experience. We do not know God mentally. We do not just know God as we have mentally ascended to the truth about him, but we know him Every other time he used the word know in this passage of scripture, which speaks of recognition and understanding. But he now calls us to understand. He calls us to understand that we are in God. He calls us to recognize that we are born of God. However, when he speaks of knowing God, he reminds us that Christ's redemptive work gave us a personal relationship with him. The understanding Jesus brought concerning God is to know him. He is no longer the God or a God, but he is my God. He is your God. Jesus made the incomprehensible God knowable to us through his redemptive work on the cross. We know him, but not only that, we know that we are in him. He says, and we are in him, that is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. Because we know God through Christ, we are in him. Our position is no longer in Adam, but in Christ. Christ we are no longer foreigners but we are his own we know him and we are in him notice the prepositional phrase that refers to him as the one that is true this is a reminder that we can be certain of these truths but because he is completely and entirely true there is no ounce of deceit or deception within him all of this is true because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the period upon the truth that John has conveyed in this letter. He has declared to us who the true God is and what eternal life is. We have clearly seen that he is the God of holiness, love, and truth. This letter undeniably declares who God is and what eternal life is. Eternal life is not writing your name down on a decision card, being baptized, or praying a prayer. Eternal life is knowing God through Jesus Christ, by faith, Through grace in him and in him alone. This is our God. This is eternal life. We've been saved by grace through faith and that alone. Therefore, we must walk in the newness of life. But there is one final admonition the apostle must give before he writes the final amen. The wax is hot and the seal is about to be placed upon this wonderful letter, but there is one final command. In verse 20, he says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. A river of practical truth has flowed through this letter, and it all leads to this final admonition. The commands to not love the world. Abide in Christ. Purify oneself. Love one another. Put love in action and test the spirits. Can all be wrapped up in a bow with this final singular command to keep yourself from idols. John returns to his fatherly tone and calls these believers little children once again. As a father lovingly reminds his son or his daughter how to do something, so this father figure reminds these believers to watch out for idols. This is not a call to just merely guard against them or to watch for them. Rather, it is an urgent command to avoid idolatry. It is a command to do everything necessary to keep the idols out of one's life. No doubt John was referring to literal graven images that could have taken the place of God. However, the reality is that an idol is an image, any image, any person or activity or desire that takes the place of God. The Christian has no room for idols in his life. If you walk in truth, if you will put love in action, if you will live the Christian life as is depicted in this letter, you must keep yourselves from idols. You cannot and will not be all that God desires for you to be unless you keep him first in your life. This is eternal life. It is knowing God through Christ. Now we must live in light of this truth. You are a new creature in Christ. Therefore, he must have the preeminence. The final admonition is as much of a call to make God preeminent in your life as it is to abstain from idols. You cannot let anything take God's place in your life. And we do that by giving Him the rightful position He deserves. Love Him with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. This is how we keep ourselves from idols. This is what the Christian life truly is. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the taught by grace podcast if you enjoyed the episode i hope you will consider subscribing and leaving a review and i hope that you will join me next week as we continue studying god's word to learn how to live by his grace and for his glory